There we go. I want to thank the church for helping me. I came from a rough situation earlier in the year, and uh, all of you came in. You took me in. You loved on me. You, you poured on me and uh, brought me back to a state where uh, I was ready to, to minister again. And uh, I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank all of you for doing that for me these past few months. And uh, that's kind of where my sermon's going to be today is there's taking and then there's spending. And uh, there we go. I actually put that graphic together. I don't know if you could tell. But uh, when I think about spending, for some reason, my mind automatically goes to a piggy bank. Uh, it's where those kids, they'll put all their little coins they get in. You know, the sad thing nowadays is you can have all the coins in the world, but you can't buy a chocolate bar anymore. But uh, I'm telling you right now, they, people put all their money in these piggy banks, and then, uh, you know, some of them have built a hole at the end, Brother Randy, that they can take it out. But in the olden days, you had to smash it, right? And uh, I want to talk about spending big today, spending big. Uh, you know, just one more aside before I get into my message. I was telling Blake about my message. And, you know, usually I pick on Blake when I'm preaching. But I said, oh, you won't be in the service today for me to pick on. And he said, oh, there's Brother Randy. So uh, I'm just saying uh, I do have someone. But uh, what do you call it? In this life, we are not built to just keep on taking. We can take from others. But, you know, the person we actually mostly take from in this life is the Lord. And we are supposed to take from the Lord. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to keep everything. We're not supposed, we're not existing on this planet to take into ourselves. We were placed on this planet to glorify God. And there are ways to do that. There are ways to give God glory. There are certain sacrifices that it takes to give God glory. And you know what? If we love God, we're going to want to give God glory. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You want to know something? I've been figuring this out. Love is not just a feeling. You know that? You know, I've, I've watched the Disney movies, I'm going to admit it. I've seen that. Sometimes they're in Hallmark movies, too. Some of, you know. And they, they have these, like, love, what are they called, romantic movies, rom-coms. And, uh, you know, the love is the feeling. They just fall in love. But love, that's not what real love is. Love is an action. Love is sacrificial. And God says the first great commandment is loving God and then loving thy neighbor as thyself. We're going to really focus on the second one today, but I want to start off by understanding what loving God is like. You know, there are certain sacrifices that God wants us to give back to him. You know, there's the sacrifice of giving our person. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is, hey, what type of service is it, Brother Randy? A reasonable your reasonable service. Guess what? If you're not doing it, you're being unreasonable. If you're not presenting your body a living sacrifice. I don't like to be called unreasonable. If you call me unreasonable, we're going to have some words afterwards. And God says, if you don't present your body a living sacrifice, you're being unreasonable. Then it goes on to say, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, what is, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's, you know, our labor. 
our time, our energy, how much of that are we giving to God right now? How about the uh, sacrifice of our possessions? This is the one we really think about when we think about sacrifice. It says in Philippians 4.18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. God loves it when we give back the things he gives us. You know that? Yeah, he gave 100% of us, and you know what? He never asked really 100% back. So when we're not willing to give the little bit back that he asked us to give, I'd say we're being pretty unreasonable. God expects us to give not only the sacrifice of our person, but he also wants us to give the sacrifice of our possessions. And you know what? I'd say this cornerstone's pretty good at that. Now we have the sacrifice of our person, the sacrifice of our possessions. We got, this is not the sermon, by the way. This is the introduction. I don't ever get through my points that quick. But uh, then there's the sacrifice of our praise. Ooh, this is where we kind of get into some hot water sometimes. It says in Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Ooh, we can't praise God when we're complaining. You know that? It's really hard to do it because it's impossible. It's really hard to praise God when we're murmuring and disputing. I think Blake hit on that one. We're supposed to be praising God continually. That's a sacrifice to God. When we change our mindset from what our carnal mind wants to take us to that point of dissatisfaction to the point of contentment in God. We're supposed to give God our sacrifice of praise. And then the last one, the sacrifice of our prayer, that total reliance, that faith on God. It says in Revelation 5.8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Did you know our prayers smell to God? Well, God can't smell them if they never get to him. That's why we have to make sure that we're clean, that we are putting faith into it. You know, it's impossible to please God without what? Faith. Our, pr our prayer is a sacrifice to God. We have our person, our possessions, our praise, our prayer. Those are sacrifices that God would like to have back to him that we can give. And you know what? I, in churches, a lot of the times we, we do talk about giving back to God. But today, I want to talk about spending on others. And I'm talking about people. You know, it's really easy to give back to God in one certain aspect. God's never wronged me. You know that? God has never failed me. God continually gives me more than I could ever give him back. He loved me before I loved him. But you know what? People are not like that. Dare I say this? Christians are not always like that. Sometimes it's hard to spend on other people that you know don't love you more. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. So if you have your Bibles tonight, if you could turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 14. We are not called to just love God alone. Remember, there's a second part of that, those great commandments, loving thy neighbor as thyself. And once we get there, I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come for this prayer service this Wednesday night, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to grasp this understanding that you want us to spend ourselves on other people, Lord. 
And Lord, that's not always easy. I understand that. It's actually quite difficult and impossible without your strength and power. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, as Brother Randy said, and that you give me the words and wisdom and power to speak the truth that you gave to me. In your precious and holy name, amen. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And this is the focus of tonight. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Wow. I remember I was studying this passage and I was kind of thinking on what God wanted me to, to preach tonight. And I told this to Blake. Usually the way God tells me how, uh, what to preach, the way he speaks to me on what I'm going to speak on, is by what he's dealing with me in my life at that time. It's really hard to preach something when you're not practicing it, right? And that's not just for preachers. I have looked within myself, and I see a root of selfishness. That's just in my carnal state. There's, there's that selfishness, that innate self-interest within me. And to spend on other people is hard when you're selfish. I'm just going to let you clue you into that. Paul was not selfish. Paul said this was the third time he was interested in coming to them. I'm going to tell you something. You don't want to visit people you don't like. I uh, had uh, the recent opportunity to visit someone I very much liked uh, in Michigan. And I wouldn't have visited her if I did not like her. Paul obviously liked the church of Corinth. He did. He loved them, actually. And this is the third time he's going on his way to go and visit them. He considered them spiritual children. He had poured into them. He had taught them. I believe he started the church. Out of the 14 churches I believe he started, it's around that number, so you can get on to me if I'm wrong later. He was, this is the third time he put in his mind that he wanted to go visit them. And he considered them his spiritual children. Well, you know, there's a difference between parents and children, or at least there should be. Parents are usually the more mature ones, I believe. And children are usually not as mature or even, you know, controlled. Uh, I can think of my family. I, I guess that would be different if you're considering me the child. I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. My parents will beat me for that one if they ever heard that. <laughs> but he was the father in that relationship. He was the parents, and he wanted to visit them. And they're speaking on the issue of money. For some reason, they had got in their mind that Paul was there to defraud them, that Paul was there to take from them, that Paul only wanted to gain from them. And he wants to assure them in verse 14. He says, and I will not be burdensome to you. Hey, do you know what Paul did for a living? Does anyone know what Paul did for a living? He was a tent maker. He was bivocational in our today terms. He didn't need their money. He didn't need the focus on money anyways. I believe God would have taken care of him in some way, shape, or form. But he didn't need their money. That's for sure. He told them he wasn't going to be burdensome to them. He said he wasn't there to seek. Oh, it says, 
for I seek not yours but you. He's not looking to take their possessions, their money. He's not trying to tax them. He's there for them. And even while being slandered, he writes these words, and I will very gladly. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if someone is going to slander me, I'm not going to be glad about spending on them. I might grumble a little bit. I might pull out my wallet. It takes me a little bit more time to pull my card out because I don't do cash. And if you're slandering me, I'm not going to be very apt to spend on you. I'm sorry. I'm a human. And that's not what Paul says right here. He's being slandered. People think he's there, there, that he's there to take from them. And he says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. I just think that that takes a lot of maturity. That takes something that you can only have when you've grown in Christ, to love, your, to love the people that slander you. Now, when he talks about spending, I don't just believe that's talking about monetary means. But when we talk about spending, obviously there's different ways to sacrifice to God. So there must be different ways to spend on people, maybe in the areas of our time. Brother Randy, what is our most special, our most, what, is it, what do you call it? Our rarest commodity or our most valuable, most precious commodity is time. Guess what? We all get 24 hours, and whether you choose to or not, you spend it on something. You don't have the choice. You can say, I want to do this at 9 o'clock, and if you still don't do that at 9 o'clock, you've still spent that hour. Maybe spending our time. Spending our ability. Uh, I, I don't have many special abilities. I'm looking for someone in this room who has special abilities. <sighs> Miss Robin, yes, she can play the organ. I cannot, and she chooses to spend that ability for us playing the organ almost every service. That's commendable. Choosing to spend her ability. How about our energy? I'm telling you right now, I'm a person who is born with not a lot of energy available, like ever. <laughs> I rely on uh, what God created, the caffeinated uh, beverages, uh, some Coca-Cola, some uh, coffee. Uh, I don't drink tea. I'm not ungodly. But uh, I'm telling you right now is spending our energy on people. That's hard. And that's not just talking about physical energy. How about emotional energy? That's hard stuff right there. And, of course, at the very end, you know, spending our possessions. And you know what? Why should I spend my possessions on someone who doesn't love me the way I feel like I should be loved? The way that God loves me like this, why can't they love me like this? You know, don't we expect Christians to be like Christ but not want to live up to that standard ourselves sometimes? I'm telling you, Paul says he would very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'm going to look at my first point tonight, and that's to spend, to spend. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that we spend, just talking about in the spiritual life, maybe even at church. Doing any kind of ministry work takes a little bit of spending. I'll tell you this, I stand at the door sometimes on Wednesday nights and I'll open the door for people, and I know that this might not be considered much spending, but every time I open the door, I get hit with that hot air. And I'm telling you right now, I'm usually wearing a shirt, maybe not a suit, but I get a little sweaty, and that's spending just a teeny bit. But how about some of the more exhausting stuff? You know, being an usher, that takes some spending. 
Now, how about inviting someone over to your house? You're not only spending your time and your energy, now you're spending your money because usually you have to make a meal or something like that. That's spending right there. Uh, how about spending on, I wrote all these down. I put opening doors, nursery. I don't know, babies really tire me out. That's some spending right there. <laughs> Counting tithe. I know Brother Scott, I think he does this every service. It's like 20 minutes after service. I don't know who can bear that. Gavin, let's spend there and count money. Investing in the troubled kid in the teen group. That's some spending right there. God calls us to spend. Paul, he knew how to spend. And I want to ask you this before I get too deep into my message. Hey, we know that Jesus, clearly the Lord of creation, he was a spender, was he not? He spent his life. We know that Paul was a spender. But I need to ask everyone, each and every one in this room tonight, are we big spenders or are we big takers? And that's what we kind of got to ask ourselves tonight. Are we big spenders or are we big takers? I told you some ways you can spend the night. Here's a verse that's kind of convicting. It says Luke, in, in Luke 12, 34, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, when it takes spending, when it comes to spending, you are spending your treasure, whatever you value right in life. Because I value all those commodities that I laid up to you guys. I have to spend some of my treasure. When I spend, I have to give some of that up. That shows you where I put most, some importance in my life. And the first point under spending is, hey, we're not allowed to belt tighten. I, I tried to find some uh, alliterated phrases. Belt tightening. You know, in this economy, and in this inflation, we have to do some belt tightening. But when it comes to spending like this, we're not allowed to belt tighten. We're supposed to find ways to go and spend. We're supposed to try to go over the budget here. We shouldn't be reserving our time or our energy when it comes to loving and serving God and others. You know that? We're not looking for ways to cut corners or to reserve whatever we find precious. We're supposed to be giving that out. In Romans 12.1, it was called our what again, Brother Randy? Our blank service? Reasonable. Our reasonable service. When we belt tighten, guess what? We're being unreasonable. When we belt tighten, we're doing the opposite of what God wants to do. God wants us to spend if we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves, you know what? It's really easy to spend on myself. It's not hard to do that. I actually find it quite easy. But God said right here, love thy neighbor as thyself. If I'm willing to do that for me, but am I willing to do that for you? That's when the question starts hitting hard. Am I going to belt tighten on myself? I'm a very frugal person, but every once in a while I like to be a little eccentric. Am I going to be eccentric for others? This is a form of sacrifice. It's not easy. It's an action. It takes work. Spending is not always equal to gaining in the same manner. We're all called to do this, no matter their circumstances. You know, I want to point uh, to a story in the Bible of someone I feel like really exemplified this form of spending. And you don't have to turn there, but you can. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it says... And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zizan, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That's kind of where I'm going to stop for right now. God had commanded that woman to spend. 
Now, if you know anything about that story, she has to spend quite a bit. But God had commanded her to spend. You know, it struck me odd when I was reading that. If God commanded her to spend, does God command us to spend? And he commanded her to spend in a pretty specific way. So does that mean the Holy Spirit commands us? Does he tell us what he wants us to spend on? I think he does. I know he does that in my life. God tells us what to spend on, and often our reaction is to belt tighten. I don't know, Lord. I don't know if I have the resources to give out. I don't think I can do that in this economy, in this spiritual economy. Too often we have the attitude of belt tightening when we should be getting the attitude of spending. So first, no belt tightening when it comes to spending. Second, there's no buyer's remorse. You're not allowed to look. I got pretty creative. No buyer's remorse. I'm telling you right now, I get pre-buyer's remorse when I'm at the store. I will pick something up, and I will think to myself, why did I spend all that money, and I will put it back down. And it's so effective because guess what? I never spend any money. It's that, <laughs> it's that buyer's remorse that kicks in before that's effective, not the one that kicks in after. And when we're spending for God, we're not supposed to have an attitude of, oh, I regret that. Not an attitude of regret. Jesus Christ does not regret dying on the cross for us. I can tell you that. We're not supposed to have buyer's remorse. You know, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says God loves a specific type of giver. We all know the word, right? God loves a cheerful giver, not a regretful giver. That's not what it says in the Bible. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, once we spend, we're not supposed to have a bad attitude about it. I should have never took that teenager out the ice cream. He didn't even say thank you. That wasn't the point. You should say, oh, that baby, uh, it stunk really bad. I, I hate being in the nursery. And babies do stink sometimes. <laughs> We're not supposed to have buyer's remorse when it comes to spending on others. You know, Paul used a specific term when he talked about his spending, what type of attitude he was in at that point. Um, it says he gladly spends. How many times do we come to church and we do our service and we spend and we're like, we spent, we did, we did what God wants us to do, we spent. But when we look at our attitudes about it, it's not done very gladly. I have to hold the door open. This person's taking forever to walk in. Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you that we get those thoughts across our head all the time, don't we? At least I do. I'll be a little bit honest. I'm not, not about the walk-in. You take your time. But uh, God wants us to be cheerful in our spending, cheerful in our giving. Too often today, we have those who spend in our churches, but they do it with a terrible attitude. We have too many people that spend on others, but they do it with a grumbling heart. Blake preached a perfect message to warm me up. We're not supposed to murmur. We're not supposed to dispute. We're not supposed to complain about our spending, our reasonable service. We're supposed to do it gladly. No buyer's remorse. We're not supposed to belt tightening. We're not supposed to have buyer's remorse. We're supposed to spend and we're supposed to spend gladly. We got through my first point. Look at that. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Cornerstone Baptist Church does a great job at point number one. We do a great job at point number one. And most churches, most, uh, the Baptist churches, Brother Randy, I just wanted to say that according to your message. Uh, all Baptists will be in heaven. Well, I know that for a fact, but Baptist churches are the best. Independent from the devil. Pastor. Um, <laughs> thank God. Most, most 
Doctrinally correct churches do a very good job of spending, but it's the next point that it becomes a little bit harder. Paul doesn't say that he just gladly spends on them. In verse 15 he says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Next, next point is being spent. Being spent. I don't like being spent. I remember in football, my dad said, give it 110% on the field. I said, that don't make sense, mathematical sense. How do I give 110%? But the same thing applies in our Christian life. I should be exhausted. I should have thrown everything out there possible on that field, my dad was trying to tell me in football, for my teammates so that we could win the game, so I could have no regret that I left anything else on that field. And that's what Paul's kind of saying here. He wants us to be spent in our service. It says in Acts 20.35, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than receive. That's an oxymoron to anyone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you that right now. But God says when we give, we're more blessed. And the first point about being spent is we're not allowed to be spent on ourselves. You know, when I think of spending, I think of investing, right? Specifically in some area. Maybe it's like a short temporary thing. Like I'll invest into ending my hunger at a meal. <laughs> and I'll invest into a small commodity to fulfill my time. But sometimes there's bigger investing, right? Like spending on a house, you're not losing any equity there, right? You're, you're keeping the same amount of monetary value. But when Paul is talking here about spending, there is no thought of keeping some of your money or getting any return. Think about that. Can you imagine looking at your bank account today, and if it's in the negatives, I'm sorry. But if you're looking at your bank account today, could you imagine just throwing that all out on someone else and not expecting anything back? That's kind of what Paul's saying right here, is he threw everything out on, and he did it to them. Not on himself. He, did, he literally says in the, the, the verse right before, not to be burdensome on them. He wasn't expecting anything in return. He was, and this is the word I use, exporting it. I had to find an E word, Brother Randy. He was exporting it. He was spending everything on someone else without expecting anything in return. After all, like I said, when we invest, we try to invest and get something back in return. When we spend a lot of money too, when we spend a lot of our time, we expect some kind of big return. When we, expect, when we put a lot of our energy, we expect something in return. But when we are to be spent in this manner, we're not. We're supposed to export it to someone else. This type of spending, being spent, is not designed for you to have riches and poured it back to you, but to export and have your sacrifices out to others. We shouldn't have a selfish mindset of, what will happen to me? But we should be searching for other people's needs. You know, maybe we shouldn't just be exporting on those people that are nice to us. You know what? I have a lot of friends in this church. I have a lot of friends in this church. I consider almost everyone in this church a friend. Besides Blake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I told you I'd get him at least once. But 
there's a lot of friends in this church, but you know what? Just in our human nature and our condition, we have the ability to offend without even realizing it sometimes, right? How about exporting on those people that offend you sometimes? That's not easy. How about exporting on that child that just put a dent in your car in the parking lot? How about exporting on that teenager that just blew you off when you tried to shake their hand? I'm picking on the teenagers tonight, but they need us to spend on them. How about exporting on that person that slandered you in the church? We're, we're called not just to spend on these people. We're called to be spent on them. Point number one, we're supposed to export to other people. We're supposed to be spent exporting on others, expecting nothing in return. And second of all, and you probably already got this in your mindset, but we're not just called to spend on others outwardly. We're called to exhaust our resources. Now, this is kind of what frightens me. If I have a, when I think in my mind, I'm a very big budget guy. If I have $100 for the week, I'm going to conserve it. I'm going to kind of save it. This kind of goes to that belt tightening. This is the opposite of belt tightening. This is giving all. That's a scary thought. Could you imagine waking up one day and having absolutely nothing left? Nothing left. And we're supposed to give our all to people. We're supposed to put ourselves in that point. Not just in possession, but time, energy. We're supposed to send out our goods, our time, our energy, our possessions. We are called to do this to the point of exhaustion and strain. Too often we don't mind spending a little. I don't mind spending a little. But being spent, exhausting myself, that's sacrifice right there. We want to stay within that false security that I have this little bit left to sustain myself. You're not called to sustain yourself. I'm not called to sustain myself. I'm called to let Christ sustain me. We're called to exhaust ourselves. You know, I'm going to go back to that passage of that woman. It says, after he had, God had called her, he had commanded a widow to sustain him. It says, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. That's all she had. Just a little bit to make a few cakes. And she was going to eat it with her son and they were going to die. And here was Elijah saying, spend it on me. And put yourself in her shoes. What would you do? Would you make the cakes for Elijah? That's convicting, right? Well, she does get a little reassurance in the next few verses. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. I'm going to tell you right now, 
She chose to trust in God and to exhaust her resources, to exhaust herself, to spend it on something she knew what was God's will. Are we willing to exhaust ourselves to that point? When it seems like it's impossible to do that, when it seems like, Lord, I couldn't possibly spend myself like this. I have nothing left. She chose to trust on God's resources, and she was willing to exhaust herself for God. And we saw how God blesses her. She was able to eat many days. She didn't just have to eat those cakes and die. She was, God was able to sustain her through her exhaustion. I'm kind of preaching into my next point. But when we are called to be spent, we're not just doing it to invest back in ourselves. We're doing it for others, and we're, calling, we're called to exhaust ourselves. Now, this next phrase, and this is the phrase that gets me the most, the most convicting. And it says, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this did not compute in my head. How can he more abundantly love them if he's already spent himself? That doesn't make any sense. Nothing doesn't make more. In God's reality, it does. God made the universe out of nothing. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he that calleth you who, will also, or who also will do it. 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God is able to make all a grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Hey, the reason Paul was able to continually spend and be spent was because God was providing for him. God was sustaining him. God was making sure that he was never truly exhausted. The reason why he was able to give everything and also continue to do that was because he was relying on God. God does not call you to do something that he can't do through you. Because God can do anything that pleases him. You know what? One of the hardest ministries I can think of in the church is uh, doing the work of hospitality, inviting people over to your house, or inviting them to a restaurant. You are, you are spending in multiple areas at that point. Now, some of us, that's not always something that we choose to do, but could you imagine doing it constantly? That'd be pretty tiring. That'd be exhausting yourself. You'd have to rely on God for, for that kind of strength. I can't think of all the areas where God calls us to continually exhaust ourselves. But sometimes maybe this is a big one, especially for the men. Sometimes getting to church is hard, especially specifically early. Did you know that each Sunday at 9.15 in the morning, we have a prayer meeting back there? That's 30 minutes before the service, Brother Randy. That's pretty early. Do you know what the most important form of preparation is for a service? It's the prayer. How about exhausting ourselves, spending ourselves to go to that prayer meeting to ensure that God meets with us each Sunday morning? That's a ministry that we need to spend on here. We need to spend on our children and our teenagers. Satan wants to have them. We have to make sure that we're exhausting ourselves on them to make sure that that doesn't happen. And God will provide the resources to be able to do that. God will make sure that we are able to abundantly love them. And again, love is not a feeling. Love is a sacrifice. But God calls us to keep doing it, 
continually. We are to continually spend and be spent, not to stop. We are supposed to love them to the point of exhaustion because guess what? God will replenish you. God will replenish us if we do this. You know, sometimes the reason why people can't spend a lot is because they haven't grown their, their resources, their spiritual bank account with God. God's not going to give you a lot if he knows you're not willing to give it back. That's not how it works. God's not going to give you the keys to the Lamborghini because you told God you would do a bus route with it. I'm telling this right now. God's not going to give you the, a ton of resources to, be, to, have, to do some hospitality if he knows you're not actually going to do some hospitality. Right? God knows everything. Right? God knows our hearts. God knows how wicked we are. And we are a wicked people. We're sinners saved by grace, right? God wants to grow our spiritual bank account so that we can continually exhaust ourselves, so we can continually spend and be spent. But we have to choose to continually keep believing in him to do that, to, re, to replenish us. We need to take the steps of faith like that woman did for Elijah and actually bake the cakes for the people that need it. Because guess what? God did not fail her and God will not fail us. We need to continually choose to spend and be spent. And this is my last point, and we're close to being done. I'm sorry, Miss Rebecca. I don't think I'm going to get to 8 o'clock sharp. The consequences of doing this. The consequences of doing this. It says in this verse, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the more you love me. Is that what the verse says? No? It says, the less I be loved. The consequence of loving sinners is, you know what, they love you less sometimes. You know, notice, even when Paul chose to ramp up his spending and being spent, their reaction was they loved him less. Takers are never satisfied. You know that? Guess what? You know what sinners are? Sinners are takers. In our natural state, each and every one of us in this room are selfish and are takers. We come to church and we say, what will church give me today? What will God give me today? Not what can I give. I'm very guilty of doing this a lot of the time. What am I going to get today? And God is willing to give you something today. You know that? But that's not the attitude we should walk through those doors with. Not what am I going to get today. What am I going to be able to take today? What can I give? And I'm just telling you right now, the result of loving takers is they're still going to not be satisfied. Nobody's ever truly satisfied in that sense because you know what? Takers aren't perfect. Corinth chose to take Paul's love and give him none in return. Don't let others stop you from spending and being spent. You're not doing it specifically for them. You're doing, them because, you're doing it for them because you love God. And you know what? To be able to love your neighbor, you have to first be able to love God. You know what? It becomes a lot easier to spend and be spent on the church gossiper when you realize that you're doing it because you love God and God loves them. It becomes a lot easier 
to spend and be spent on the rebellious teenager when you realize that you're doing it because you love God and God loves them. It becomes a lot easier to spend and be spent on anybody when you get that mindset, I love God and God loves them. You know what? You might never get the thank you. You might not get the gratitude. Paul certainly did not. He actually got slandered. But Paul still chose to abundantly love them even more. And that's what our reaction should be. You know, as I'm closing, and Brother Randy kind of read a little bit of this passage, so I'm not going to read it entirely. But in John 21, when Jesus asked Mr. Simon Peter if he loves him, Peter says yes, and Jesus gives him a simple response. He first says, feed my lambs. Second time around, Jesus says, hey, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, I love you. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Third time, and this one, this, like, whenever my mom tells me something the third time, I kind of raise my voice a little bit, so that's kind of how I imagine this, because I, I want to make sure she hears me. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Of course I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. You notice that when Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, what does he ask him to do? To serve his sheep? If we're going to love Jesus the way that Jesus wants to be loved, if we're going to love God the way God wants himself to be loved, we need to serve our neighbors as well as serving God. We need to love them. And that's a lot harder to do than loving God sometimes. In conclusion, hey, God wants us to feed his sheep. He commanded us to gather in Hebrews 10.25, right? I'm not going to read that verse entirely. But there's one reason God commanded us to gather, to exhort one another. Did you know exhorting is a form of spending? We are called to gather tonight. We are called to gather Sunday morning and evening so we can exhort one another. Don't we need exhorting in this day and age? Don't we need to spend on each other in this day and age? We need it now more than ever. God wants us to spend on each other. And who much more deserves it than our brothers and sisters in Christ in this very room? He wants us to spend on the lost and on our enemies. God wants us to spend and be spent and to do it more abundantly. Let me ask you this again. Are you a big spender? Are you a big taker? If everyone could bow their heads, close their eyes. Uh, I just want, I would just like everyone to kind of just examine their hearts tonight before the Lord and ask themselves the question, you know, we kind of sang the song earlier, is your all on the altar for the Lord? Do you actually want to be made a blessing? You know, first we have to ask ourselves, are we giving God the sacrifices that he expects from us? Are we giving God the sacrifices of our praise, of our person, of our prayers, of our possessions? Because if we answer no to those, we can't love our neighbor. If we can't give to God, we can't give to anybody else. Not the way God wants us to do it. So first ask yourself, are you giving to God what he expects? But secondly, are you giving freely to the Lord through loving your neighbor? What level of spending are you at? Are you okay at spending just a little, but not exhausting yourself? 
Are you exhausting yourself and that's the end of it? You're done. No more doing that. I've already exhausted myself. There's no more to give. Are you spending and being spent and doing it abundantly? I'm going to tell you this. The Lord Jesus, he was, he was the perfect example of this. He gave it all, and he continues to give to us this day. Paul, he was an example of this. He spent abundantly and continually. Let the Lord guide you on how he truly wants to use you.